Events for Breakfast, your go-to guide for advice, top tips and events industry insights. My podcast is delivered in bite-sized chunks to help you digest information and expand your events expertise. Well, hello there, you lovely lot. Welcome back to the Events for Breakfast podcast. I'm Kelly Frew, your podcast host. I hope you're having a lovely week and wherever you are right now listening to this, I hope you're having a wonderful day too. We've got a great episode coming up for you today and it's a topic which I know we're all getting our head around a little bit better now as events professionals and that is hybrid events. Now how do we make them work? How do we get the best out of both of our audiences, so our in-person audience and also our virtual audience? How do we bring it all together in this concoction of wonderful connectivity, building communities, ensuring that we're engaging with everybody? I know it's a minefield, isn't it? So we've got two experts joining us today. We've got Jack and Mike, and they are from Event Space Productions. Now, Event Space Productions are a multinational production agency, and they specialize in virtual and hybrid events. So these are the guys we need to talk to. And I'll tell you what, I had a wonderful chat with them, and they've got lots of expertise to share. So we're going to go straight into the interview now. Enjoy it, and I will catch up with you at the end. Mike, Jack, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having us. It's, uh, it's a real pleasure to be here. We're very excited. Good. Likewise, thank, thank you so much, Kelly. It's great to be here. Oh, no, you're both welcome. Now, we're both all super excited to hear a little bit about you both individually, first of all, before we get too much into your company and what you guys do as a business. So first of all, um, Mike, would you tell me a bit about yourself and how you got into the wonderful world of events? Sure. Um, I accidentally fell into the wonderful world of of meetings and events. Um, Jack and I actually met each other working at Apple. So that was my first, let's call it big boy job. Yeah. Um, And I, yeah, we worked there and predominantly worked as a uh, concierge. So focused in customer service and then went through the ropes there and learned about technology and things like that before I was moved out to uh, Australia to, to, to work um, helping building that, that that market, but also managing some of their in-house events in the George Street store, um, amongst other bits and pieces. And then um, naturally, sort of, I, uh, I I fell into events following following my girlfriend, I suppose, around the world. Yeah. She's Danish. Um, so I ended up moving to Denmark with her, where I started working at a company that executes um, events or executed events in what was a new and exciting way. So they, they were very conscious of the environment. They were aware of their clients' triple bottom lines. And they basically distributed an event app um, via an iPad. So I started working for them and have not looked back since. And that's, what, 10 years, 12 years now in the events uh, industry. Nice. That all sounds very glamorous. Some lovely places to work there, definitely. <laughs> Especially Oz. Oz is a favourite of mine. Um, and Jack, talk to me about you. How did you get yourself into events? Yeah, it's a bit, a bit different for me. Like, like Mike says, we uh, we started working at, um, at Apple together and and uh, kind of our journey t- together started that way. Um, but we, in terms of events, I actually started doing some freelance work with uh, Mike's old company, um, 
the, when he first moved to Denmark uh, with a, a, a secondary friend of ours, actually. It's really strange. We never worked there at the same time together. But um, yeah, we kind of, kind of were working there, um, just doing some kind of creative work for those events, just all sorts of assets and videos and stuff for anything that was going on face to face. Um, and then in the middle of the pandemic last year, uh, Mike and I had a, a conversation where we were talking about kind of my skill set and how that could enrich what he was doing with uh, lots of the virtual stuff. And it has been about 70 hours a week for the last, I don't know, 80 weeks of non-stop working and in some form of event. So I'm, I'm a lot newer to, to, to this business, um, but I think with what we've been doing, it's been a bit wild west. So fortunately i can blag it a little bit yeah well, I, I feel like the whole industry has been a little bit like the wild west in the last 18 months so i think um yeah <laughs> well, welcome to the industry then welcome um and and you know what motivates you what is it mike what is it about events that absolutely motivates you and inspires you to get out of bed every morning <laughs> it, it's changed yeah. um <laughs> i in all honesty so when i first came to the industry it was I remember the very, I, I landed in Denmark, I'd secured the job, um, and then almost two days later, I went back to the UK to go to on site um, for a pharmaceutical event that we were putting on. Um, and really that was, that was the first thing that um, sort of inspired me was the, the world travel, was how exciting it was to go to these new places, at that point um to travel business class which was wild for me um you know and it was a lot of the uh what's what's it called it was a lot of the, the external stuff the stuff that didn't really mean in on the whole too much it was the travel it was the fancy dinners and then it was staying in a hotel it was these sort of things because i was relatively new to it um and then as sort of time progressed, I got more and more interested in the dynamics and specifically the technology that was yeah. used to help support the meetings. Um, and, you know, the philosophy of, of um, having technology leveraged to support a session and a meeting rather than overtake it. Um, so that's what really sort of got me going at, in, you know, in that particular time. And then when the pandemic actually uh, started happening, we'd been doing and we'd been facilitating virtual meetings for quite an amount of time. And that was the reason why I was in that area for, for the, uh, my old company was because it was, it was basically like creating meeting TV. I was, I was making film, yeah. um, <clears throat> which had always been a very big passion of mine. And then all of a sudden this could potentially be something that we do as as our business like make meeting tv broadcast it onto our own our own platform so um that's now that's what gets me out of bed in the morning is i'm doing my dream job of making film and tv for meetings and events so it's really exciting it really is isn't it i i absolutely agree and, and jack is that where your talent comes in is the, is the technology or your thing yeah, yeah, I think, I've, well, I don't know if I would say my talent, but uh, <laughs> certainly where, where my interest comes in. Um, yeah, Mike and I have been best friends for a long, long time. So we've been having these conversations about the way that technology moves. And I, again, go back to our kind of ethos of working with Apple, embracing change, kind of, uh, we saw a really good opportunity there. And we have regular conversations about emerging technologies and what what's around the corner, which is always exciting. Um, and, and, and I guess, again, the, the whole Wild West part of being able to carve out what that looks like 
and yeah. be at the forefront of that and embrace it is really exciting. Yeah. Uh, and I think I think everyone that works with us would would agree with that as well, actually. Absolutely. You know, Jack's Jack's. It's actually one of the things that Jack just mentions. There was, it was kind of prominent. We have been having conversations like this and about this sort of thing for a very long time. I, you know, I I, I remember maybe about twelve years ago, before we, either about well thirteen or fourteen now actually, uh, as time moves on. But um, uh, we we had a conversation about how we could use technology like this in in an education system um, because Jack's mum uh, works in, in education and and actually to see what we were talking about as like uh, in in the year 3000 we'll be able yeah. to do this manifest now only you know just over a decade later is is really really something so yeah it has been a conversation we've had for quite a long time it is and I think what's happened in the last sort of 18 months is the fact that the event and I think a lot of people will um agree with this um, and I'm not speaking out of term is the events industry was quite slow and being quite innovative we were we were really comfortable in what we were doing we were producing really slick live events and we were there and we had all these people and you know as an events planner we we had it down to a T and then suddenly the pandemic hit and, and you're right that people were already starting to think about that virtual world and, and bringing in hybrid models into it in a certain way but it was being it was just going on in the background a little bit. So in, in terms of you guys in event-based productions, you, you must have just been um, clapping your hands together and thinking, this is perfect. So how do you guys support? What's your expertise? It's, it's funny. So, I mean, clapping our hands together and, and getting excited was sort of like a, a coupling of like, oh my God, this is this, like, there's this crazy pandemic and the the anxiety and I suppose worry surrounding around that yeah, because because you know when 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 this started right when this started we we were doing a lot of face-to-face -face events a lot like everybody else we were doing lots of face-to-face -face events and then bang our calendars disappeared yeah that you know everyone's cancelling so I suppose there was a bit of anxiety there um in terms of what we were doing at the time it was predominantly face to face with broadcasts out so it was it was a bit of a um i'm not going to call it high because that's not what it was it was a face-to-face -face event with a broadcast out to another area um now what we do in terms of supporting uh events is we 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 work as almost not consultants but we 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 take a look at what the objectives are, I suppose, of yeah. an event. And for us, an event just isn't just a, a meeting or a conference or something like that. Event is like a moment in time. So it doesn't just necessarily have to be um, bringing people together. An event can be a, sometimes it's a filming solution. Sometimes it's uh, just communicating. Sometimes it's, yeah, like I said, sharing a message or something like that. So we we work with our clients to see what it is that the what what the message is that they're trying to convey, um, what the learning objectives are, like what what do you need to get out from from your participants, what do they need to get from you, um, and then we try and match that up with the technologies that we have available to us because yeah. we're not necessarily tied into just one thing. We like I said, we can use lots of different mediums to activate people. Um, so, and that's really where our, uh, like our, you know, where our niche is, I suppose. Would you yeah. say that's about right, Jack? Yeah, I mean, I, I think from, uh, like I said, I, I'm kind of, I, I'm, my journey starts in a, in a virtual world. So I'm moving 
in a quite unique position in terms of events into into the future. But I remember when when I, when, when I was just starting kind of here, kind of the start of last year, where there were lots of conversations around when it goes back to face to face. And I think that we're now that that message has got quieter and quieter and quieter, mm-hmm. and it's very evident that we're moving now into something new. Yeah. Um, and rather than having something that was virtual as an afterthought and a face-to-face being the, the first thought, I mean, we, I, I have conversations with my dad regularly about, he, he lives in the middle of Shropshire in the middle of nowhere. It ta- if he goes to like a, like a networking event, it's like an hour drive, then he's got a park, then he's gonna go sit there. Whereas now he can just join, like he's got the internet at home and he can, so for a lot of different people, joining these events um, remotely is is gonna be the, the solution, especially it's a much greener solution as well. Michael. I, <laughs> I, was, I was going to say that, you know, I, I think that what this has really done is it has increased accessibility yeah. alongside of extending the reach of the, uh, our clients so that they can, you know, they, they can bring more people together. They can, they can crowdsource more information. They can, they can, I mean, it's quite exciting. And, and as, as to your question, we support in, like I said, different ways, but predominantly we're working with, with creating adverts, with films, with documentaries, with an event platform or application to host both physical meetings, virtual meetings, and I suppose hybrid um, uh, on them uh, alongside creating broadcasts and things like that. So it's, it's really like the full production, I suppose. Yeah, one question that's coming from my audience, actually, and it's something that I've heard, and we were talking about it at Comfex a couple of weeks back, actually, around the fact that for a hybrid event, you are you have got two audiences that have got two very different needs. And it is quite a worry, because as we're emerging out of where we are right now, it is quite a worry for an event planner to go, well, we, we kind of know what how to put on a virtual event now because everyone is sat at their screens and we know we need to keep it, you know, the variety, keep it short, keep it sharp um, and have lots of different interactivity in it too. We know with a live event, all the different elements and components that we need. But when, you, when you've got a virtual audience and then a live audience, how do you, what sort of tips would you, you tell the events partners out there to, to make sure that they're considering both and then bringing everybody together in the best way? I think that what you need to do as an event planner is first of all, you need to accept that you have two different types of audience. You need to acknowledge them both. So, and and that's really the acknowledgement of them both is what's really important. You need to make sure that the experience for your virtual attendees is as enriching as it is for your physical attendees. The physical attendees have the benefit of being there. They can they can touch, they can taste, they can activate all of their senses all at the same time in this immersive environment that you create for them. Whereas that is not the same experience that the virtual audience will get. So you do have to say, all right, this is the experience for a physical audience. This is the experience for a virtual audience in what ways can we make it so that they can um, connect with each other, they get as much of, you know, if we have specific objectives that we want to get across, how can we make sure all of our different uh, attendee types are activated in those particular ways? So accepting that you've got two audience types is important. We also know that like, you know, from from the, the vast experience now over the last two years, alongside a whole host of data that, 
we will not be able to activate our virtual audience in the same way for the same amount of time as a physical audience. Yeah. It's just not possible. If you look at the way humans interact with technology, sat in front of their laptop, they need to have breaks. You can work for about two or three hours before you need to take a break. Television programs, they're 20 minutes long, the most successful ones, yeah. when you look at like the likes of Netflix. Um, films the only time that a human will actually naturally sit down in front of a television screen um, is for a feature film that's that's what they will commit to if they know it's going to be good so you need to to also accept that your virtual audience are limited really to around three or four hours at the very most yeah. for for their part of the event so <clears throat> so creating um learning pathways, creating experience for them that suits the type of attendee is gonna be really important. And in, in, in terms of marrying them together, what's, what the, we have been doing, what we've been see, um, experiencing and seeing is, is not just one method. There's, there's, there's already like a million methods out there. Um, so it's hard for me to say, this is the best way. Um, one thing that we've seen is saying, okay, we are going to create summary presentations. So we will we'll bring our presenters together and do rehearsals with them. During those rehearsals, we will do 20 minute summary presentations that are recorded. And that will be broadcast live alongside the face-to-face -face meeting. And that let's call it two and 15, two hours and 15 minutes of pre-records will be played out just before the live panel discussion and the live panel discussion that we have at our face-to-face -face meeting will be broadcast to them so that you can all, everyone, every single audience type can benefit from the live discussion of our key opinion leaders. Yeah. Um, and that's just one method that we've seen. Um, so yeah, there's, the, and, and I suppose the central nervous system to that though the way that you bring those two together is, is by having a platform where both attendee types or all attendee types can, can, can access information, can talk to each other, can commit to audience response and all these other things. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's my take on it. Yeah, yeah I, go on, go on, Jack. I was, I was just gonna say, I think that the, the big part there for me is around, um, you, you, can't, you can't just take a carbon copy of a face-to-face -face meeting and expect it to work virtually. And you also yeah. can't take that virtually and expect it to work face to face. Yeah. Um, that being said, um, I was actually doing an infographic about this literally yesterday. There's a face to face agenda, which is quite a, a lot in a short space of time. So it may be that you have a big agenda over two days. Um, whereas virtually, because you cannot have people um, commit to that, perhaps you would cut that down into bite sized pieces. If you look at the, the world of podcasts, for ex as a classic example, the amount of people that are taking a three hour long conversation and breaking it down into four minute clips that people can then digest in different ways, the clips do a lot better in terms of viewership than the full three hour presentation would be. Um, and I think that's probably how more and more we're recommending to people that they, they break that up. Also having it available at different times, that's the, the, yeah. you know, the benefit of, of having something virtually and, um, but that also then works for a face-to-face -face audience you know what maybe i wasn't paying attention or I need to reference that point again they've got access to that on demand that's that's a huge part for for the hybrid solution 
you're right. I mean, events now have legacy that, that can last forever because we have a, a, like an active record of it. It's yeah, uh, yeah that's, that's really something as well. That actually comes in ties in nicely to my next question around on demand. So I had got a lady that I was talking to the other day from quite a big corporate company who is being asked to put on an event that is purely on demand. And she's really <laughs> struggling to get her head around the fact that this is just going to be an on demand event and that actually there won't be a moment in time that is completely fully live. Um, have you ever experienced any of the events like that? Quite, quite a few now. Um, and we've actually experienced like a... a, a a bunch of different ones maybe there's I suppose three sorts that are predominantly um, uh, used at the moment which is completely live semi-live and then then broadcast uh, sorry then uh, pre-recorded only yeah um, and you know the, the live people want to tune in see it's like the Oscars they want to see someone like slip and fall over maybe or someone say something that's a little out of turn or you know the energy that's brought there and then the semi-live is playing pre-recorded content during a live meeting. Um, and, and those, that, that, you know, that, that, uh, that, that has its benefits. It, you know, you can, if you've got a speaker that's not particularly confident, it's really good because you get to, to add, um, you, know, you get to take out all the bits that maybe aren't particularly great or the nervous uh, ums and ahs or yeah. the number of different takes that you have to put together. Um, also, if you want to add a lot of polish, it's really good. Um, so, so, and then, like I said, having a live element is is great in there as well because the audience feels acknowledged. Yeah, you know that, that you're putting on an event specifically for them. But the pre, the completely pre-recorded, is not as inaccessible or or um, uncommon as you might think. If you look at television, almost all of it, if not all of it is pre-recorded yeah. and that's essentially like I said earlier what you're making you're making meeting tv here so so getting in terms of getting your head around that and what I would say there is that it may go out as a moment in time so you may pre-record everything and then broadcast out specifically at this moment tell all your attendees this footage is going live at this point and that could be what that is alternatively if you're making it on demand it almost becomes like like a learning situation like yeah. we're making this accessible as modules for you um and i think that, i mean it, again it's like the way that tv works no one you know people put out episodes pre-recorded episodes at specific time points um i think there's a lot of i think there's a lot of value value to it I don't know if that answers the question. I hope no, it does. It absolutely does. I think it's just a mind shift for us events planners that are used to having a live event. We've, we've moved into the virtual world and that's good. And we're, we're accepting it. We're embracing it. And we've seen the benefits. Absolutely. But the thought of doing an event, which is just purely on demand and you've not got any physical moment where everybody's watching it together, that just, yeah. it just feels a bit alien. And it, but it's the next step, isn't it? Um, and I think it's, that's my next question around, like, what do you think's coming next? Like, what, where, where is this? Where are we going? Where can you see us being in twelve months' time as an events industry? I think that the the kind of um, the the hybrid model of of where we're going and in and tying people in from different parts of the world is a really exciting thing. And I, we talk about this quite regularly, but it's not that new a concept, yeah. really. Yeah. Like I've never been to Glastonbury. I've got tickets for next year, but I've never been to Glastonbury. However, I've watched every single Glastonbury for the last 10 years. I've yes. never been to the World Cup, but I've been watching it in every country that's been happening 
virtually, right? That, it, that, that, that kind of uh, being an audience member that's not physically at that event isn't in that hybrid scenario is not that new um, a, a concept. Um, the, what, that being said, I think in, in the way that we've been forced to adopt change in the last 12 to 18 to two years, uh, 18 months to two years, um, we'll, we'll stop it being a one-way broadcast. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm an audience member watching this to being something that we interact in a very different manner. Um, and that's that, that's the fun challenge in terms of the next 12 months, I think is gonna be how that, what's gonna work and what's not gonna work. And I, I, like Mike said, there isn't gonna be one way that this works. Uh, I think this is gonna work in many different ways. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think that, that in, in terms of what comes in the, the, the future, the next 12 months is, is 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 i think the innovation will be a, a mindset change yeah really like i think that's what's going to be the biggest change when when the when the financial markets crashed back in what was it 2008 was yeah right yeah people like panicked and then they found you know and and they 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 let a, a whole bunch of people go in there organized i'm not saying everybody but you know they they consolidated they started working from skeleton crews and then they found out that they could do the same business they could before on fewer staff and now from covid happening the same sort of accidental in a, or emergent innovation has happened here people panicked and thought oh my god how are we going to do this yeah and then and then technology is now at a, a, a at a place where software and hardware are so advanced that we can we can make changes to the way that we the, the way that we work so quickly. If you look at the progress the programs like Microsoft Teams and Zoom have made over the last year, from what they were doing and being slightly out of the compliance regulated industry to now being the primary method of communicating, um, delivering messages. Um, compliantly effectively and uh and actually like with really quite good quality um that that has been that has been something that's happened in a really short amount of time and and now everyone feels a little bit more comfortable i i was i was talking to someone the other day about this and we were we were discussing you know i remember when every single day we talked about oh can you have this on my desk in the morning or uh, as per my last email, you know, that's the sort of the office vernacular we were using. And now we are using such vernacular in our daily lives as um, you're on mute or can everyone say, can everyone see my screen? So we're already having sort of, we've already had these mindset set shift, uh, shifts. And I think for the future, what's going to happen is now that we do have that experience, we have access to the rest of the world where we can almost travel. Um, what, what, what does that look like will be something that I think will slowly start to manifest as people think, do I need to bring, do, do I need to do this? Is my carbon footprint, is my carbon footprint more important to me? Yeah. Is when I look at the costs, I'm saving 90% doing a remote meeting than I am, or a virtual meeting than doing a physical meeting. Um, I don't have the real costs associated. I don't have the, the actual cost of accommodation, food and beverage, flights, all these sorts of things. So I, what I think will happen is people will start to consider is like, you know, remote first, like question yeah. mark. So I think that the mindset shift 
from our clients will be um, very important to us. Again, I'm not sure if I answered the question, but I hope I did. I think you I think, did. Yeah, anything to add, Jack? <laughs> I, I just, I was just going to add. There's, there's two, there's two other parts there, which I think in the last, technically in the last two years that have have really made a difference. Maybe longer actually, but I think with the um, the emerging way that we interact with social media and and the way that we are. Uh, being able to make YouTube videos and TikToks and uh, all sorts of Instagram posts in, in a much quicker way, something that would have taken, I, I regularly use the phrase, it took Joan Cameron 10 years to make Avatar when, when Mike says you're not editing a video fast enough. Um, but, uh, but, but, I think, but I think that's the point, something that at one point took a very long time to sit and, and work through, now takes is a lot quicker the technology means that we can actually pro process that stuff a lot faster but also where people have been talking to a webcam for the last 18 months people are much better at speaking to cameras and much more comfortable doing that kind of stuff so i think yeah. that that all feeds into it so the whole process of turning out a much better product is significantly higher than it would have been two years ago yeah, absolutely agree. And that, that brings me on to sort of presenters. So um, I, th and I, th I think about some of the programs that I've watched in the past year and things like the one show where they, they will have a live host in the, in the studio and then they'll have, say, for example, perhaps a guest in the studio, but then they'll have two people at home that they are, zoom they are literally zooming into a, a high quality broadcast. And that's more acceptable nowadays, isn't it? So I think um, even in a live event, having a presenter which is live and then say another presenter that is there on screen, we have I would never have done that two years ago I'd have been like no all of my presenters have to be live in the room with me they've got to be physical they've got to be polished but actually now we're quite comfortable with having a presenter sat in their office at home presenting to a big audience on um do you see that continuing as well and it opens up new doors to different presenters doesn't it absolutely I mean the, the, the I think the, the footprint part of that is a really big part um, yeah. having having a, having a centralized hub where people can get together and have those conversations and have panels and, and stuff is great but equally if someone can't then yeah. or don't want to that doesn't mean that you, you, if you're a presenter you could be speaking at four different conferences in a day like there's no yeah. reason why you could and um you know we're, we're, we're also always looking at interesting technologies as to how we can make that more interesting um, yes i'll let mike carry on on that one if he, if he feels like it's appropriate yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that one of the things that we need to sort of, I suppose, acknowledge with this is that the, whilst the world is opening up, I, 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 you know, I live in Denmark and I, we are in this, this space now where COVID-19 is almost at a complete distance. There's no masks, there's no social distancing. We're almost back to normal, like travel is, is, is a thing. People are going on holidays, but we are still in a bubble here yeah whereas you know i i because we work in regulated industries we work for pharmaceutical companies we 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 are working with presenters and key opinion leaders that are working in third world countries where where you know our, sometimes we our, our clients are asking if they can come and attend a meeting or can do training or these sorts of things and they they say well i'm i'm sorry i can't because minute by minute i'm still trying to save lives i'm, wow. I'm backed into to general medicine or I'm back into emergency care because that's still my 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 reality right now so it's so different in different parts of the world and I think that I think that moving forward having a physical presenter in a studio or in a live event alongside a virtual presenter will become more and more of a natural um, 
a natural thing, a, a natural right. circumstance or instance. And, and I think if we embrace that and plan for it, I think that we will be more and more successful. We, we can do things like use technical props to support that. So a good example would be the Olympics on Eurosport at least, and I don't know what it was like for BBC, but you had a physical presenter inside a virtual studio beaming someone in from another country nice. um, or an athlete in from another, you know, an athlete in from Tokyo. And they would see them on a screen. They'd be looking over here and talking to a screen, but on the television or to us as a viewer, they're they're looking at a, you know someone that's actually full full bodied, wow. and and interacting with them as if they would as a face to face event. So I think that a combination of supporting with with technical props. Um, we work with a, a, a speaker training company here called Simply Revolution, and they they specialize in doing speaker training that's both brings the physical presenter alongside the virtual presenter together and, and focuses on their interactions. I think that as long as we plan for those sort of things, then they will be successful and I think they will become more and more normal. That and that's just would have sounded alien two years ago, wouldn't it? To, to have that sort of technology. <laughs> I mean it's outrageous. We're literally talking about nearly being what like holograms in Star Wars. <laughs> like, yes. We're not far away from <laughs> Like, exactly. except it will be better quality like you won't have the little blue flicks and all that yeah. kind of stuff but we're yeah. nearly there like we it's really not that are. Not it's crazy isn't it yeah yeah absolutely I think you know I like to keep these bite-sized chunks so we will start to wrap it up but before we go what's what's exciting you guys what are you looking forward to doing or working on or something that you you know is coming up in the next sort of 12 months what what should our listeners look out for I'll let Jack Stark he's he's technology and innovation really <laughs> Um, I, I've recently been spending a lot of time, um, with Will, who's on, on, on our creative team doing lots of, uh, really interesting virtual studio builds. Yeah. Which I think we've started to see in things like the Olympics, uh, and, and, and the World Cup and some people are better at it than others. Yeah. Um, we've, we're, we're very lucky that we have a, a really lovely studio in, in, in Copenhagen where we can actually play with having, you know, full green screen and, 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 and all that kind of stuff. So we're, we're a bit like kids in candy stores in that, in that regard. Um, but I'm really excited to see what, what happens when we stop trying to make things look real and go beyond that. What, what are the new things that we can do to make those environments engaging and also be able to kind of play with fun animations and, and, and backdrops and that kind of stuff. And I think that from a virtual perspective, that's really interesting. Yeah. And then trying to bring that to a face-to-face -face audience as well. It's going to be a fun challenge. That will, definitely. We'll watch out for that. I'm going to change my answer and say I agree with Jack. <laughs> like, I mean, the notion the notion of being able to accept and, and, and make something that maybe doesn't look real is actually now is more, now that you've said it, Jack, that's actually more exciting. Like the ability to say, you want to go to Hogwarts? sure we'll take you to Hogwarts like you know maybe yeah. that's what our event looks like maybe uh we go to a moon on end or reference to Star Wars again Jack and or maybe we go under the sea for this uh, this event I think that will be very exciting I mean that's that the idea there is exciting uh and I mean technology wise working with extended reality and augmented reality in the same space that's what we're working with right now and that's uh 
I think that's going to play a big part in our in our 2022. That sounds incredible. We need to see some of this. So if um, any of the listeners want to find you guys on socials or website, where, where do we direct them? Yeah, it's uh, eventspace.productions on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, and we're also on LinkedIn. Uh, t- Twitter is, is starting. Um, that's uh, that's some part of our new rollout. We're still, we're still in year one, so we're, we're trying yeah. to keep it nice and, uh, nice and easy. Uh, website's eventspace.productions. Um, yeah. That sounds great. And please, please share some of this, all this creativity and these ideas that you've got on your socials, because it sounds fascinating. And yeah, all the listeners would definitely want to hear about it. So Mike and Jack, thank you so much for today. I really appreciate your time. um, And I'm sure we'll be speaking again soon. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Kelly. So there you go. We've now got hybrid events down to a T. Thank you, Jack and Mike. That was such a good episode and there was so much content to take away there and we can educate ourselves better from the chat. So thank you again, boys. I really enjoyed that. I think some of the key things that I took away from the chat today was all about the fact that you cannot treat your virtual audience the same as your in-person audience. They have different needs, they have different ways of wanting to receive information and interact and you have to somehow find ways for both of them and then hopefully at some point bring them together. So Jack and Mike shared their contact details. So if you do want to reach out to them for any help, then they will be waiting to hear from you, I know. And likewise, if you'd like to get in touch with me, I'm Kelly Frew and you will find me on my website, Story Maker Events and on all the socials. And as usual, join all of the socials for the Events for Breakfast podcast too. We are on LinkedIn, we are on Twitter and you'll find us on Instagram. So come and join our little community too. And as always, my parting words are a little plea to subscribe to the podcast and give us a little review on Apple, Spotify, however you listen to us. And then we can just share this podcast wider and make sure that everybody knows about it. Thank you all. Enjoy your weeks. And I will be back next week with another super guest for you. Take care. See you soon.